I know it's a little bit heavy with we had a news of death this morning with uh, Miss Aunt, or, uh, Annie, Annie Kelly's mom di- passing away this morning, and then yesterday we had a, a funeral for Bob Zier. And so just a lot of sadness this week. But we serve a God that's above all of that. We serve a God that is greater. We sang this morning that He is holy, like no, no other God. Um, a question that we can ask, a lot of people outside these walls, a lot, and a lot of people, especially not in churches, are asking this question, who is God? Who is God? Let's go back to the slide, please. Uh, who is God? God has a lot of attributes. He has a lot of attributes, and there's a lot of things that we can a- answer who God is. And, and so today we're going to be looking at what is what are some of the attributes of God? And what we just saw in the video, um, David Platt is a pastor and author, and he wrote this book called Gospel Threads. And he, uh, first of all, there's, some, or there's also some books available. I would love for you guys to read these books. Uh, they're really short. Um, the first chapter is only five pages, so I think you could handle that if, you, if you're up for it. There's also a book that uh, the book is, you can download it as a PDF. That will be on our website. Uh, later this afternoon. Um, but the gospel is sometimes hard to explain to people. Sometimes we need some boldness. Sometimes we need to, to kind of know what we should say or we don't want to stumble over our words or what if they ask hard questions. But remember, the gospel is the, has the power to transform people. So if we want to see people transformed, if we want to see people know Jesus, then we need to be talking about Jesus. We need to be talking about God. So who is God? And in, a, just in understanding the gospel message, there's just what David Platt says is there's three attributes that are really important to understanding the gospel. Three attributes of who God is. And the first one is that God is holy. And we sang about that this morning. That God is holy. And we're going to be singing about that for all eternity, that God is holy. And not just that God is holy, we'll be in His presence, worshiping. Holy, holy, holy. But what, is that, what does holy mean? A uh, quick definition for holy is God is utterly unique and perfectly pure. There's no one like God. There's no one that's perfectly pure. And so, that, that's, holy also means set apart. And God, God calls us to be holy and set apart. Think about special. Set apart and special. He's unique. Perfect. In um, Isaiah 43, verse 15, God says, I am holy, or I am the Lord your God, the Holy One, Israel's Creator, your King. This verse, it's just a simple truth, but the Lord is asking us to understand he wants us to know that He's not just the Creator, but He's also the Lord who is holy. He's set apart, and He is the true one and only King. Um, in First uh, Samuel, before there was a prophet called Samuel, and before the kings happened in, the, in Israel, the country of Israel, which God set apart, there was this woman that was crying out to the Lord. And her prayer was, there is no one, no one holy like the Lord. 
There is no one beside you. There is no rock like our God. And this is, she was crying out to the Lord in her sadness and her sorrow. She wanted to have a child. The Lord gave her a child. That became Samuel, the, the greatest, one of the greatest prophets, but who anointed the, the first kings. And, and, and he led the people. But she cried out, there is no one beside you. There's no one like you. He, God is the rock. He is holy. Then we see in Isaiah uh, chapter 6, there's this throne room vision that Isaiah has. And, and he says that we're going to be crying out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is filled with His glory. He's seeing what's happening in heaven as the, the angels and the, the creatures in heaven, the seraphim, the cherubim, the, those angelic beings are praising God all the time. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is filled with His glory. You know, in the, when Jesus taught us to pray, when He taught His disciples how to pray, one of the first things he, he wanted us to know is that our, our Father is holy. Our Father in heaven, hallowed, or we could say holy, is your name. The name of God is holy. That's what, that's what he wanted us to, to know first off as we pray. And I love how the Bible Project has this illustration of what holiness looks like, or what, what, uh, how, how to describe holiness. So I just want to show you about a minute clip of You've probably heard the word holy before, or at least sang it in a church song once or twice. And for most people, this idea is really just connected to being a morally good person. So God is holy because he's morally perfect. Yeah, that is part of it. But in the Bible, the idea of holiness is even bigger and more rich. What it's really describing is how God is the creative force behind the whole universe. He's the one and only being with the power to make a world full of such beauty and life. And so all these abilities, they make God utterly unique, which is the meaning of the word holy. So a helpful way to think about God's holiness is by using the sun as a metaphor. The sun is unique, at least within our solar system, and it's really powerful as the source of all this beautiful life on our planet. And so you could say that the sun is holy. And you can actually take this metaphor even further in that the whole area around the sun is also holy. Yeah, because the closer you get to the sun, the more intense it gets. Yeah, exactly. So that very power and goodness that generates all this life is also dangerous. I mean, the sun, if you get too close, will annihilate you. And in the same way, there's this paradox at the heart of God's own holiness, because if you're impure, his presence is dangerous to you. And not because it's bad, but because it's so good. God's holiness, God's like, this, like a sun. If you get too close to it, you're going to die. But God, he is holy, he's set apart. God is, is dangerous. He is loving and kind. And so there's this, this level of reverence and this level of respect that we give to God um, because he is unlike any other. He is one of a kind. He is the only one of his kind. There's no one that compares to him. He is perfectly pure. And so that's, that's just a little bit about holiness. And when we talk about God is holy, we don't, we're not referring to holy like 
Swiss cheese. We're not talking about holy, like, you know, a pair of old socks. I heard somebody say that in my house recently. Uh, holy socks. Like, no, that's, that's the opposite of what God is. Holy socks. No, it's God is holy and He's perfectly pure. And He calls us into His presence. And so the, the next part, so the first one is God is holy. The next characteristic of God that we need to look at is that God is just. And God is just. It, this quick definition is He justifies the innocent and condemns the guilty. Well, that sounds like what a judge does. A judge justifies. If there's someone that's come before the judge and they're innocent and they find out, they have all the witnesses and find out they're innocent, that a righteous judge or a good judge would, says, you're free to go. But if there's someone that's, that's guilty, then the judge will condemn the guilty. They'll give a punishment. They'll give a sentence. And so that's what makes a good judge. And God is a good judge. Yesterday, I was uh, having uh, basketball games, or there was basketball games at Dewey Church, and so uh, during, during the halftime of the games, I was talking to the kids about a referee. What does a referee do? A referee makes calls. He has to make judgment calls. If a referee doesn't do, if he doesn't make a call, if there's somebody hurts someone and there's no whistle blown, there's no foul, they're not a good referee. Right? And so a good referee is going to make the call. They're going to make the right calls, even if it's against what they really want. They're going to make the right call. And so it's, there's a verse in Proverbs, Proverbs 17, verse 15, that let's look at here for a minute. It says about God's justice. And uh, it says, Acquitting the guilty and condemning the innocent, the Lord detests both of them. Or it's like an abomination to the Lord. So think about that. that if someone is justifying the wicked, if someone is condemning the righteous, God hates that. Because God is just. God is holy and God is just. And so, if God hates that, that shows also that He is holy. He is just. He is merciful. He, he wants justice to happen no matter the cost because that's His character. He's, he doesn't waver like how we do. We, well, you know, like a referee, well, maybe that wasn't that bad of a thing. So, um, I didn't blow the whistle. No. God, God is always just. He can't, or He's, he's always just. And so um, part of His justice it shows up again in Isaiah 5, verse 16. Um, and it says that the Lord Almighty will be exalted by His justice. He's exalted. He's praised because He is just. And it says the holy God will be proved, by, proved holy by His righteous acts. So God, here we see both holy and just. He's exalted for His justice. And He's the holy God and He's going to be proved holy. Because he's proved holy by the way he judges, by the way he shows. His judgment is correct. And as much as we want to know that God is holy and God is just, there's this problem. The problem is that he has to condemn us. 
because of sin. And we all sin and fall short of the glory of God. And so we have this problem. What do we do? What about us? Doesn't God like us? Doesn't, doesn't God want us to be saved? If God is a holy and just God, He can't just look the other way at our sin. He can't just not make the call. And so we have a problem. And this is the, the tension that we need to understand, especially when we're talking through the, the gospel message to others. And not just to others, but ourselves. We need to really be thankful for His mercy and grace. Which is the next part here. God is a perfect God, just God, that condemns the guilty. That's us. But He doesn't let us... We're still condemned, but He does something about it. He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, He sent His Son to come and live that perfect life. The life that we were supposed to live. The life that we were that he asked us to live that is without sin. Now we're not we're not the Messiah, I'm not saying that, that part, but to live without sin, because the wages of sin is death. And Jesus Christ had no sin ever in his whole existence. And he never will sin. So Jesus, because he was sinless, he could take our place by dying on the cross. And so Jesus did that for us. And out of God's mercy, and I'll just say out of His graciousness, He grants us free. And so this third piece here is that we need to know that God is holy, that God is just, and God is gracious. And God is gracious. He grants free and unmerited favor for the guilty. So we are guilty, but yet we are not condemned to an eternal death without Him. Because of His Son, Jesus Christ, and His great mercy for us, that if all who accept the Lord Jesus' free gift of salvation, they accept His, off, his payment, then, then we are saved. And then we walk in His love and in His truth. And we're not trying to earn our salvation. We are living gratefully for the salvation that Jesus offers. And so, uh, a few verses here about God's gracious, in, uh, both in Titus, we'll look at Titus chapter 2, and uh, in verse 11, it says, For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. This just shows the, the gospel right here, that God's grace gives salvation. Because of His grace. If, we didn't have, if God didn't have grace, he would still be a just God. He would still be a holy God. But He would be a God by Himself. I mean, the Trinity, part of by Himself. But He would be a God that had nobody with Him. Because all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And because of His graciousness, because of His grace that He offers, people have a chance to be saved. If they accept the forgive, Jesus' forgiveness. And so, he offers salvation to all people. And then in uh, the next verse, or next chapter in Titus 3, uh, verses 4 and 5, it says, When the kindness and love of God, our Savior, appeared, He saved us. Not because of the righteous things we have done, but because of His mercy. So it's not, it's not 
how good we act, it's not how good we are that saves us. That is a false gospel. It's by grace alone. We, only because of Jesus' gift of salvation that we can be saved. It has, we add nothing to that gift. And so God, in His mercy, not because of our righteousness, but because of, of Jesus' righteousness, He pardons us because Jesus took our place on the cross. And so these are, these are key parts to understand. So let's just, let's just say it without looking, okay? What are the three things? God is holy, God is just, God is gracious. Hey, you guys can present the gospel. <laughs> All right. And I'm not trying to say you don't normally do that, but I'm just trying to give an a easy, a easy way that we can weave the gospel into our everyday conversations. But we have to start by understanding some of the truth of the gospel so we can recognize it for ourselves and then we can recognize it for others too. So what, is it, what does this have to do with me and what does this have to do with you and what does this have to do with others? Well, if God is a merciful God, He wants people to know Him. He wants glory. He wants, his name is glorified and He wants people to not be thrown into hell. But because he's a just God, he can't just say, uh, sorry about that. No, he, doesn't, he doesn't show injustice by saving us. He shows grace and mercy to us. And so, if we understand and experience the grace that Jesus has given us, that God has given us through his son Jesus, that graciousness, and if we understand that, and not just understand it a little bit, but we really really believe it. We really live it. And we're going to be different. We're going to live out of gratitude. We're going to live out of generosity. We're going to be living to whatever Jesus says we want to do. Because Jesus isn't just our Savior. Jesus is our Lord. And so whatever the Lord says, we do. Or at least we attempt to do, or we try to do. Right? If God says it, let's do it. And so, this, this main idea for today is that God's holiness and justice require a payment that only He can graciously provide. And I'm sorry I didn't put that in your notes. But God's holiness and justice. That's what we just talked about. How God is holy and how God is just. And because He's holy, or because He's just, there's a payment that's required. And He only can provide the payment. There's, there's nobody else that can take your place. Nobody else can, can die in your place and bring you to salvation. Only because of Jesus Christ. So because God, can, He graciously provides this payment. So like the Son, we have a perfect God. We have a holy God. And like the sun, it can be the sun is dangerous, but there is this, this level of respect, this level of reverence, this level of we want to, to do whatever God says. We want to do whatever God says because we want more and more people to know how good He is. And especially if we understand that we are undeserving people. There's nothing, it's not about how. Your parents were Christians. It's not about the, the good things you've done in your life. 
It's not about anything other than we're saved because of Jesus, because of His mercy. If we understand that, we're going to start living it. We really embrace that. We are undeserving people that deserve what we can't pay. David Platt in his book here says, or in this book, Gospel Thread, he says, all our lives should be motivated by a desire to see our Heavenly Father honored for His holiness. To miss or downplay God's holiness is to have a distorted picture of the God revealed in the Bible. So, if, if we don't, if we miss this picture, if we don't really think about God's holiness or realize He's holy, we're, we're downplaying it or we're missing it. It's, it's, we're probably not, it's kind of a scary thing to think about, but he says we have a distorted picture of the one true God, the God in the Bible. We all have a, an idea of what God is or who God is in our minds. But we need to line it up with what the Scripture says about God. What the Scripture says about His Son. What the Scripture says about the Holy Spirit. Not just what we've been told or what we, or even what I tell you. Look it up. Understand it from the Bible. Grasp the holiness of God. The justice of God. The grace of God. So, do we want people to know that? Do we want people to know that the only way of salvation is through Jesus Christ. We want people to know that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and because God is a holy and just God, He can't just look the other way. We can't just earn our salvation. We can't just be a good person and we'll probably make it to heaven. So if we want people to know that, we need to be talking about that. Let's be connecting with the Lord in a relationship. See, be all in with Jesus. Be so full of His joy, of His grace and mercy that we are just basking in it, in His Word. And just pouring it out to others. That people will just see. Someone told me recently that they came to Christ because their neighbor was so full of joy. And, and just a, a joy that didn't make sense. And the more they, they talk to the neighbor, the more they realize it's not just a circumstance. It's not just that things are going well right now. Things are going bad. But the joy that she had in the Lord, this person is just drawn to that. I want to know the Lord because of the joy, because of because who God is. And then they, they learn. So how do we live this out? How do we live this out? You know, we, I can have you guys memorize. God is holy. God is just. God is righteous or gracious. But what are we going to do about that? Well, instead of sermon notes today, I put in here, I put in, I just copied straight from this. So it's not plagiarism because I'm giving, giving a credit to, to David Platt here. But in the back of chapter 1, it says, weaving thread number one, the character of God. So how do we weave in that God is holy, that He is just, and that He is gracious? How do you weave that in on your regular, everyday thing? Well, you can follow along if you want, uh, but it says here that we can acknowledge the glory of God in creation every chance you have. So Every chance 
you have. Acknowledge it, first of all, not just to others, but acknowledge it to yourself. Realize that God is good. That God is glorious. Talk about His majesty. When you see a sunset, you can just like, wow, that's so beautiful. Or you can say, wow, God is so perfect. God is so artistic. God is so creative. Point to God's power in a storm. Yesterday, there was a funeral here for Bob Zier. And it was in the message, it was given that, that the first ever pastor of East Bend, Peter Zier, he would, when his family, when there was a storm and he was with his family, he would read to them Scripture. He would read to them Psalm 46 and Psalm 91. How the Lord is our rock and our fortress. How, how God, we don't need to fear. How even though there's a storm, God is powerful. We can marvel at God's wisdom. Like, think about our bodies. Think about the stars. Think about all the complexities. I mean, biologists should just marvel at God all the time. They'd be like, wow, this is so amazing what God is, how, how God is creative. Intricate. The next one says, acknowledge the presence of God in specific facets of your life. So you could say, God is working in my life in this way. Now it's good to, to say that out loud. Say that to your family. Say that to your friends. But then also, don't be shy to say that in front of other people. God is a blessing. God is, God is leading me. You know, sometimes this is one that people don't really, a lot of these they don't get, but you know, God is leading me. What do you mean God is leading me? Is he telling you? What, it, like, what does that mean? So like, just, we can talk through that a little bit. Like, well, through his, through his word, through, through his spirit telling me, through different people in my life giving me wisdom. Right? God is leading me. God is guiding me to make this decision. God is teaching me truth. God is showing me. So we're acknowledging the presence of God in our lives. And then he says, talk about the holiness of God. We can, he says, speak to God, I'm sorry, speak about God with a reverential awe. Like when I was a kid, the song came out that said, our God is an awesome God. And the church that I went to, we wouldn't sing it because we, wouldn't, we didn't want to say the word awesome and God together. Even though God is awesome, we just, actually, no, it was, the, yeah, I forget how it went. But uh, we, I think we, it was just this respect that God is awesome we know that God is awesome, but like, I think it was that we didn't use the word awesome for anything else. And, and there's this respect, this rev, reverence for God because of His awesomeness, awesomeness, not just that we got a, a good, a good, some good grades, that's awesome, or you know, the pizza was so tasty, that's awesome. Um, and that, our, that word, I think, has just changed. But the reverence of God, let's have that reverential awe. He says, speak about yourself with genuine humility. Are we puffing ourselves up? Are we talking about how good things are going for us and how we are living certain ways? How we are good at things? Are we being humble? When someone asks about us, we respond in humility. It says, draw attention to the attributes that are distinguished God from the people of the world. There's so many attributes of God, and some of them because we are made in His image, He also made us 
that way too. But there's a lot of them that it's, he is unique, he is God, he is holy, he is unlike no other, and so we, that distinguishes him from anything or anyone else. So let's, let's look at how those things give glory to God. Um, draw attention to ways God reigns above all gods of this world. And as a lowercase g there, God, I think that's just the idea of that there are, there are other things that people worship. There's other things that are from Satan that are not gods like God, like above God, or like equal to God, but are lowercase g gods. And if that's confusing, come talk to you later. That's a hard thing to, to think about. But Satan is at work in this world right now until the end when Jesus wins, right? And so Satan is grasping for all he can do. And so, yeah, what, how is God, our true one, true God, reigning above everything? And then it says, talk about the justice of God. Express confidence in God before others, even when things go wrong, even when there's hard things. But express confidence in our God. Express remorse before God and others when you do something wrong. Because God is a God of justice, and I sin, I need His grace. I know that he will. I know that he's a just God, and so I, he doesn't just look the other way. As you work for justice in this world, speak about the Judge of the world. So there's a lot of injustice in this world, and so as Christians, we want to be people that bring justice. But ultimately, it's God who is the ultimate judge. He is the judge, and at one day. He will judge every person. And He is merciful in waiting. And sometimes we think, well, why doesn't He just judge him now? We don't know. But He is merciful in waiting. It says in 1 Peter about that, that God is, is patient with you, waiting for us, for more and more people to come to repentance. Because His kindness leads to repentance. He wants people to be saved. It says... Uh, last one about justice here. It says, as you observe evil and suffering in the world, speak with hope about the world to come. We're not hopeless people. If you have Christ, we're not, this world is not the end. This world is just the start of eternity. So let's, let's point people and let's remind ourselves that our hope is not in this lifetime. It's in the next. It's in Jesus who is in this lifetime and all of time. So our hope is not fixed on all these things they're happening around us. Yes, we can have hopeful things because of Christ, but it's because of Christ, not because of, well, I hope the, in the next election this happens. or that, That's not going to help. Our hope is not in this country. It's not in politics. It's not in sports. It's not in really good pastors. It's not in really good anybody. It's in Christ, in Christ alone. So let's, have, let's be talking about the hope that we have in Jesus. And how this world is, is going to be no more at some point, and God's going to make everything new. So let's keep our hope in, in the Lord. And then lastly, it says, talk about the grace of God. Constantly point out the evidences of God's grace in and around you. Because God is so gracious, this is what happens. This is 
and constantly credit God with the source of everything good around you. Acknowledge, continually acknowledge that you have a need for God's grace. And I, I know this as a parent. We, we need God's grace, not just for the kids, for us. We need God's grace every day. And so acknowledge there's, there's ways every day that you are sinning and that, and that you are in need of repentance, that you are in need of God's grace and mercy. And lastly, it says, unceasingly express your gratitude for God's grace. The number one way that we can have a healthy mindset, uh, healthy uh, mental health, is by the way how much or how little we show gratitude. And so, if there's nothing else, just look for little ways every day to show gratitude to God. Be thankful for God's grace. All right. There's a lot of options here. You guys have this now. And you can have this book in the back or print it out or or read it online, which I encourage you to do. We're going to be going through this um, five chapters. We're going right up to Easter. So I want you to be, you know, I've asked you a few weeks ago to be praying for someone. Be praying for someone that needs Jesus. Be praying for someone that you can talk to. And so I want you to, over this next five weeks, to really be praying and looking for opportunities to share with that person one of these things. Something about God's character. Something about His holiness or His grace. His his justice. Something about how wonderful He is. The hope we have in Him. And, And that sounds hard. Because it is. But what we need to remember is when we take a step forward in faith and we, and we do something that's hard, we're not doing it on our own. We have, if, you, if, if you have the Holy Spirit, if you have Jesus Christ forgiven your sins, He gives us His gift of the Holy Spirit. And we have His Spirit. Let's be listening. Let's be being led by His Spirit. So that's my challenge. Actually, it's David, David Platt's challenge. But it's, we're, we're using it too. So, I encourage you to read this book. Uh, and before next Sunday, and here's your homework. I used to be a teacher. Um, before next Sunday, uh, please read chapter 1, The Character of God. And it starts on page 8, and it finishes on page 11. So just read five pages. Uh, and then on pages 12 and 13 is all what I just walked through here. And you have a printout of it in your bulletin. Uh, so I encourage you to take your bulletin printout, put it on your fridge, put it in your Bible, put it in a place that you're going to see every day and remind yourself some of these things every day about who God is. Because when we know who God is, when we start talking about who God is, the more we're going to be grateful and the more we're also going to have courage to tell other people. Isn't that what we want? We want other people to know how good our God is. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you that you came. That you came to live a perfect a perfect and holy life, a life of perfection that we can we can look to you. We can call out to you. Jesus, thank you for for dying on the cross for taking my place 
for taking each person's place where we deserved condemnation, where we deserved death, you took our place. And so, Jesus, we are grateful. And please help us to, to show that gratitude every day. Not out of guilt, not out of because we should, but because we want to remind ourselves and know how good you are and how your grace has saved us. God, I pray that you encourage to speak out loud to ourselves and to people in our homes, people in our workplaces, people in our communities. Speak about you. Just simple ways. So God, we just pray that it's not about what we do, it's about who you are and what you're going to do when we bring, when we are obedient to you. So I pray just a blessing over this congregation that we would obey what you're calling us to do. In Jesus' name.